Welcome to the Bedrock Way Podcast, where we're changing the habits of yesterday by creating the new healthcare reality of tomorrow. And today, Jonathan, we have a very special guest, what I would call a social media sensation, and someone <laughs> who really values strong sales entrepreneurship. But he has a different flair. He does it a little differently. He's genuine. He's humble. He's aggressive. And he's someone who, again, is approachable. And he's someone who wants to share his message with everyone that will listen. But he does it so well and he does it so effectively that I could not help, I could not help to invite him to our podcast last week when I saw him at the Zimit conference. <laughs> and he so graciously agreed. So without further ado, I want to introduce our guest for today, Burl Solomon. Woo. Welcome to the Bedrock Way podcast. Thank you, man. So exciting to be here. And that was the nicest introduction I think anyone's ever given to me. What was it? It was humble. Genuine. It was genuine and aggressive. Imagine combining those three things. Those are technically like three opposites. Um, so that was really nice. Thank you for that. I'm actually probably one of the most humble people that ever lived. So <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Listen, I wanted to ask you something, Beryl, just to start off, because to me, you value social media so well. You're able to leverage it so well. Yeah. Tell my audience, why is social media so important? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think I asked you this before before we started, meaning who's listening? Who's the listener right now? You know, you in your car who's listening or you in your Jim, who's listening, or you in the bathroom, who's listening. And let's just go up the totem pole, okay? Because let's go from everyone sweeping the floors in some healthcare facility to the CEO of a major conglomerate, to the person who is delivering care on the, you know, boots on the ground. Social media is important to you because let's face it, you will not be in the current job that you're going to be in for the rest of your life. And when you go apply for your next position, imagine candidate A is known by the employer because the employer has seen your posts and has seen you online. And candidate B is a virtual unknown and is only as good as their black and white resume. Well, candidate A is going to fare better in that interview or is going to at least get that interview quicker than you would. So brand is a big thing, right? It's the same concept. Am I going to pick up a Starbucks coffee or am I going to pick up a no-name coffee? People are willing to spend $4 on a, or you know, some places $8 on a Starbucks coffee today where um, they'll won't, they're not willing to spend $3 on a non-branded coffee, right? So number one, it brands you. So that's for the, let's say, people that are not on the executive uh, or CEO level. On the CEO and executive level, I would say one is you want to be able to attract top talent to your organization. Um, you know, you right now, let's just say Bedrock, for example, I'm sure if you made an ad on one of your podcasts saying, hey, we're looking for super talented XYZ, they trust you, they like you, they know you, they feel that they have an appreciation for you, and they're going to want to work with you. So you're going to be able to attract talent, and you're going to be able to build uh, other partners for your business because they're also listening to you. So when you go knock on doors of future clients, they're going to they're gonna know who you are, and that relationship is going to have oil in its uh in its to make it slide smoother on the slip and slide remember slip and slides when we were kids absolutely people listen to andre gomez 
and they feel a connection to you. They feel an affinity towards you. They feel a trust towards you. So when you go to promote, you know, that you're looking for quality um, staff to come work for your company, the people that are knocking on your door to hand in their resume, for example, they want to come work for you because they know that you're a great guy. They know what you stand for. They know what your values are instead of going to go, you know, uh, apply to IBM or, or wherever gigantic or, you know, Genesis or giant conglomerate that they, don't, they have no idea who is who's the face of that. So it creates a relatability. And also when you go knock on the door of prospective clients, they're going to say, hey, I listened on my last trip to Disneyland with my kids to drown out the noise in the background. I loved what he had to say. And uh, I'm going to give this guy a chance because he's cool. Just the same you- way that you saw me at Zim and you're like, hey, I know you. You know, you know how many people said to me? I feel like I know you already. It's a very strange feeling. I have no idea who that person is, and yet they know everything. They know they feel like they know me, and I feel like that towards other people too. I see them all the time, and when I see them, wow, I feel like I know you, and they're looking at me with like this blank face. So yeah, for all those reasons, social media is super important. I'll tell you, Beryl, this, there's something that I struggle with. Social media is very powerful, and social media has become even more powerful and more important now. And the fact that if you have a company and you have no content. On social media, you don't have anything. So yeah. I will I will double down on what you just said about a potential candidate showcasing their talents for prospective employers by building street credibility on social media. But think about businesses. Think about businesses building sure. their street credibility by sure. being on social media. I'll give you, you know, a statistic that I saw the other day. 75% of Americans are introverted. 75% of Americans don't want to be out there. So how do you deal? And and I know you're very probably It's probably more than 75%, but they were so introverted, you couldn't get them to take the poll. (laughs) (laughs) So not only are are 75% introverted, more than 90% fear public speaking. Talk about dichotomies that are going to affect business growth. I know storytelling is huge for you both through mm. movies, social media, and influencing through social media and movies is a very dynamic approach. Sure. Can you give my audience an example of how your expertise in storytelling has made a positive impact in a related business and you were able to maintain the integrity of that business? Yeah, yeah, great question. So I think that I actually want to read between the lines it sounded like you were going on to a question, but you didn't quite get to it, which is, well, very good for Beryl Solomon, whose nature, I'm not an introvert. I'm 100% an extrovert in every sense of the word. But what about the guy or the girl who is an introvert, who is shy, who doesn't want to be on camera, who isn't a great storyteller? What about them? So before I get to my, you know, a, a good example of where I've done this, how does the person do this that doesn't want to be on camera? Like, for example, if you gave me a microphone and a stage and 10 million people, I'd be the happiest guy on planet Earth. I, I, I just, you know, if I'd be that. able to, st- right? If I would be able to stand in front of a microphone or a video camera all day long, it's just where I feel comfortable. It's my natural habitat. But 75%, I'd probably even say more, do not feel comfortable like that. So what do they do? And that's the nice thing about social media is, Everybody could find their own medium, meaning on LinkedIn, you have a great opportunity to write incredible blog posts. Um, and, and by the way, I don't, even, I don't even care to go to the other social media platforms because all the other stuff is vanity. TikTok is vanity. Instagram is vanity. Twitter is vanity. The main reason why I'm on social media is probably 1% vanity, maybe 2%, and 98% business. 
Okay, that's what I'm there for. And LinkedIn is the place for business. And LinkedIn provides a great opportunity. So to, for those people who don't want to plaster their face and their video and everything all over social media, LinkedIn is a great, you could find your, your voice through writing, through storytelling, through picture, through video, through, you know, there's so many different ways to do it. So that's what I would say to the introvert is it's not one way. That's number one. Number two, to answer a question, I could give you a million, a million examples. I'll give you a huge success and I'll give you a huge failure that, uh, that, I've, that I've had through social media, but both I'm happier for. So because I have, you know, I, re- I recently, um, I launched probably, let's say six months ago, a recruiting firm that focuses specifically on sales and business development people. And I have been speaking about sales and business development for the past six or seven years. So I've already developed an authority type figure in that space. So when people call me based on, you know, that, that they're looking for, for a biz dev or a salesperson, they're not just looking at me as a recruiter, they're looking at me as an advisor. So even if my recruiting fee is more expensive than my direct competitor, they're choosing me time and time again because they respect my authority on the subject. So that's so we've been able to grow and launch, grow and scale a recruiting business really quickly with God's help, of course, because I had built up that trust and that reputation in that industry. So that's an example of where social media really served me. So now let me show you an example where it really served me in a, in a major failure is when I first moved to Panama about a year uh, about a year ago, I launched a business where I was going to connect in Panama. There's something called the free zone where you could buy and sell goods free of duties and taxes. So I wanted to connect Latin American buyers to North American buyers and fly North American buyers to Panama and have them come start purchasing here instead of sourcing from China. I lined up within, I don't know, 30 days, a hundred meetings and 97 out of 100 of those meetings ended in absolutely zero fruits. And the whole project was a complete failure. But I was able to expedite the failure, meaning where most people would have to, in order for them to book 100 phone calls and 100 meetings with 100 people to make 100 connections, it would have taken them a year or six months. Sure. I was able, I was able to fail really fast because I put out a post with a flick of a wrist I had two or 300 inbound. I set up 100. I failed on 97. Not a good business. Shut it down in 30 days. That means that you're not stubborn. I'm so not stubborn. Ask my wife. I'm the easiest guy. By the way, today is Mondays. And Mondays is money, right? Mondays is about making money. I've been seeing a couple of videos, and I I agree with you. I always say the Sabbath is for the Lord. Sunday is for family. Monday is for the almighty dollar. I love that. I love that. But I'll tell you one thing that I respect about you a ton. We'll get into orthodox. Love that. We'll get into a lot of your videos. We'll get a lot into your story. Thank I definitely you. want you to tell my audience how you came to be who Beryl Salomon is today. You know, you were in this dynamic individual we see today. I think you had some lessons throughout your life that kind of transformed you into who you are today. But one thing that's very important to you is your faith and yes. your faith and your values as an yes. orthodox 
really influences your journey in the business world. Yes. And I want you to kind of tell my audience briefly how your faith has really guided that path in the realm of sales and entrepreneurship. Because again, sure. you stand above the crowd and your community and your culture. And that's something that you don't apologize to anyone. You are who you are. That's what I meant about the real genuine aspect about what you do. And again, it's refreshing. Some people in this day and age might be looking for sympathy and anti-Semitism is something that's so sensationalized. You sure. put logic into things and say, hey, listen, I am who I am, but I know who I'm not. So let's talk about that. So it's a great point you bring up, Andre. I'll tell you when I became really famous, okay? I mean famous. I, I'd say like I'm a B minus, you know, celebrity at this point. In the religious Jewish community, I'm an A plus. In the regular yeah, world in the re in the regular world, I'm like a, I'm like an E minus, okay? An E minor, okay? But I really blew up on social media with actually Kanye West when he was railing against Jewish Tell me about people. That. Yeah, when he was railing against Jewish people on the internet. Who was he railing against? He was railing against Jewish business people. And I was like, I guess I was the de facto Jewish online business guy for many, many years. So my first few videos that I was putting out was like all about anti-Semitism, how he was talking badly about Jews and that and that. And the level of anti-Semitism that that stirred up in the comment section was so vile. People were saying, always, want, you know, Jewish people always want to make themselves the victims. Boo hoo hoo, cry me a river. I mean, just the create the Holocaust didn't happen. You know, free Palestine. All you know, like, all the you know, all the all the regular stuff that you get as uh, as a as a as a minority online, I guess you could call it. So when Kanye West started railing against Jewish people online, I started putting out a bunch of videos that were talking about anti-Semitism and how it's not nice and the and in the comment section, I was getting worse, more vile anti-Semitism I had ever seen in my entire life. Because at the end of the day, nobody wants nobody no, nobody wants to play victim. Nobody wants to see victims, it, especially since you know, let's call a spade a spade. Um, Jewish people are doing okay as a whole, as a nation today. Maybe 70 or 80 years ago, not maybe, definitely 70 or 80 years ago, in the trenches of Europe and the concentration camps. It was not a good situation. Today in America, America has proven to be a very fertile ground for the for the Jewish people to succeed. Thank you, God, um, in business and community and everything. So I decided instead of leaning into the narrative of anti-Semitism, I made a video that said, you know what, guys, the whole world, all of you are saying that we are great at business, that we own the banks, that we own the this, that we own the that, that we own. So if you guys are all saying it, it must be true. So if you really respect us that much, let me teach you some Jewish business secrets. And I started to break down some real Jewish business secrets that we really do have. You know, the Jewish people have been around for 3,300 years. You're going to pick up something in that amount of time. Even if you're, even if you're dumb, you're going to pick up some tips. And I started to bring, you know, not, not secrets in terms of, you know, new age stuff and how the markets and this, some like very basic principles. For example, giving charity. It's a basic Jewish business tenant that you give 10% of your, I believe the Christians call it tithing. Um, you know, it all comes, it all comes from the Bible, right? So we believe that when a person gives um, charity, God will give you more in return because God sees you as a good banker. That was like a, that was like a Jewish business secret. Went viral, millions of views. Another Jewish business secret is we have a commandment to teach our children how to make a living. 
because if we're not teaching our children how to make a living, it's as if we're teaching them how to steal. Why? Because they will not be able to provide themselves for themselves without stealing. So we have a commandment to teach our children how to make a living. Another one, don't steal. You know, a lot of people, if they could get away with theft, they'll steal. But a business secret is we believe that there's an eye that sees and an ear that hears everything that's going on. So even if you can steal, even if you can get away with something, you shouldn't do it. Now, major disclaimer, is that to say that all Jews are perfect? Absolutely not. Okay. No, even, even the Bible itself will show there's many cases where the Jews messed up. They made a golden calf. They made, you know, they, they made all the uh, Jews are not perfect by and large, but at least we have a, um, at least we should strive for perfection. So when Kanye West was railing against the Jews, I went the opposite direction and I just owned it. And I grew, I have a quarter million followers today on Instagram because of it, a quarter million on TikTok, 150,000 on YouTube, almost 80,000 on LinkedIn. And really a lot of it came from just leaning into that saga. We live in a, in a world where identity politics and the sensationalism of you know, whatever self-virtues are the hot commodity that week reign. It's interesting for someone with the influence that you have to, instead of playing the victim mentality, again, rationalize it, add logic to it. We're moving further and further away from the truth yes. in, in a society where sometimes we tend to not value the truth. So I appreciate that. One thing that I love, again, is that you simplify difficult things. We've been in the same industry, but yes. for those of for those people who don't know Burl Solomon, tell me who Burl is. Oof, you know, Andre, I'm still trying to figure it out, okay? The Beryl Solomon that I put out on social media is really not the same Beryl Solomon that, that that's in my closed doors and behind, you know, behind closed doors with my family or even with my friends. You know, a lot of people when they see me in person, they're like, oh my gosh, you're normal. I, I don't get it. I think one of the nice things, by the way, about a podcast is you could actually be chill. You could be cool, calm and collected. On the other social media platforms, whether it's Instagram Reels or TikTok or YouTube, you have to like be super in your face to get the views that you have to, you have to, you have to have that like that bite in order to break the noise of the internet. Whereas, you know, podcasts, you could be a little bit more relaxed. So, if I would have to describe, I was just saying to my wife yesterday, I feel like I'm totally misunderstood. I think that I'm a sweet person. I think that I'm kind. I think that I am empathetic. I really genuinely care about people's feelings. One of the things that really is important to me is people's financial situations. I, I, I don't know why people grow up when they're kids and there's some people that just know they want to be doctors. They want to help people's health. I can't tell you why, but ever since I was a kid, I've always cared about the financial health of people. And it's always been important to me. I think that that sums up. Uh, I think that sums it up. There's two things. We talked about this, Burl, in previous podcasts. And you'll appreciate this, right? When you talk about business sales, and especially now that you're getting into the recruitment business, yeah. there's one question that comes after you ask somebody their name. And that yeah. question is, what do you do? Right? Well, that's the, that's hang the, on. To be fair, you hang, you hang around Jewish people. <laughs> perhaps, hey, perhaps. My name is Schleby Steinmetz. Hey, Andre, Andre Gomez, what do you do? Do people ask that? I don't know. Oh, do they of, ask of that course, outside right? of Jewish circles? I think to me, Jewish or non-Jewish circles, I think it's we we've been programmed as introverts. Okay, the interesting. Majority of the industry, you know, the, the population is to ask, "What do you do?" Mostly as a way to understand 
what almost what kind of respect they give you after that, right? And oh, I, interesting. I'll tell you, I have nullified that. I am not a fan of asking people what they do. I ask two questions, and I'm going to ask you these questions, and I've asked most of my my guests that question, and I, I ask two questions, sure. Beryl. Number one is, what makes you happy? Because if I know okay. what makes you I like happy, it. I know what motivates you. And then I okay. ask, tell me how you grew up. Because if I knew how you, grew, how you grew up, I know all of the inherent youth trauma or <laughs> motivators, igniters, that are facing and talking to me today. So wow. let's, let's, let's take those two questions. What makes you happy? Okay, amazing. I'm, I, I'm getting a free therapy session here. I love it. Um, two things make me happy. Three things make me happy. Four things make me happy. Number one is feeling close to God. There's nothing better in this world than feeling close to God. When you're under his wings and you just feel like, yeah, he's happy with me and I'm, and I'm good with him and, he's, and there's nothing better than that. That's number one. Two is cuddling with my children makes me the happiest guy in the world. Number three is when I have money in the bank. Oh, it just makes me feel so good. Um, just like let's allows me to relax, allows me to just be calm. And number four is I really like playing paddle. Um, yeah, you know, you know, paddle is. It's I, like I, I can imagine. It's like pickleball. It's like pickleball, okay. but yeah, yeah, yeah. but a way cooler. I was excited. I was telling everybody all weekend that you were going to be my guest. I was showing them videos. I said, "Oh, you're so cool. Doc, you're so cool. Everything. Thank you, man." And and I and they, and they said, "What's the title of the podcast?" Okay. Because they know I'm a perfectionist, and I okay. and I like to to have control of everything. And sure. this was the title that I came up with, and I and I didn't reveal the title to you because I wanted to hear you talk. But okay. The title is "A Journey of Integrity, Faith, wow, so nice. Morals, and Healthcare." Tell me your story. Tell me how you grew up, because I know the story. Sure. But I want the listeners to know because I think they'll appreciate who you are even more, and it'll make more sense. By the way, I want to let you know, Andre, you're really good at this. You're <laughs> you. really Appreciate good at this. Yeah, you're really good at this. I'm really I, listen, impressed. I wouldn't invite you if I wasn't good at it. I want people to know the true barrel. The, and I, when I saw Orthodox this week, and I actually uh, binged it, right? And I'm looking at that. I'm looking at how you grew up. I'm looking at uh, some of the trials and tribulations, you know, from your dad to your mom to your friends. And I'm like, wow, everyone is a product of the environment. And yes. listen, the environment does two things. It engulfs you or it ignites you. And for yes. you, it ignited you. It ignited you to yes. be this person who was not going to be defined by the way they grew up. You de you defined your destiny, and you continue to do that daily. But I want my audience to listen to that because I think that's the powerful story behind sure. Earl Solomon, someone who probably shouldn't be here. You shouldn't be sure. where you are right now, but you sure. did. And that resilience be, is what I should be dead or in jail. I should be dead or in jail. That's where I should be. I didn't exactly. know we we're let's going this. That. I didn't know we we're going this deep today, but let's go. Absolutely. I grew up in a you know non-religious home, which whatever it's okay. Not you know no fault of anybody's. Um, and when I grew up, we had like this. There was this kid in my grade that his older brother was a drug dealer, and he would pump drugs into our grade, and at a very young age, at like. 13 years old 14 years old me and my buddies were all strung out on drugs and it really screwed us up i started dealing drugs at a very young age 
don't know if you're ever going to get somebody on your podcast talking about this, but um, I guess I'll, <laughs> I guess I'm breaking the ice here. And one day I got robbed for a crazy amount of drugs that was worth a crazy amount of money. And they almost killed me. They beat me with guns. They left me on the side of the road to die. I, I was bleeding to death on the side of the road. They took me to the hospital. They had to do reconstructive surgery on my face. And I needed to figure out a way. My problems just started at that point because now I owed the money to the drug dealer because that business works on consignment. And the way that I was going to do it was I had an older friend who was in the nightclub business and he was making money. And I said, I asked him if he could teach me that business. He did. Within three weeks, I had my own party, you know, set up in downtown Montreal. And uh, it was it was amazing. I became the man. I made money that night. I was cool that night. I remember I made $80. I went to the bathroom. I, I locked the door and I jumped up and down with my with my 80 bucks that I made that night. And then I started to get good at it. And I started to make like the coolest parties in town. And I would take over these nightclubs and just totally flip them upside down. And um, it's like painful to talk about, to be honest with you. That's okay. Um, you know, you. I've, yeah, I have like five kids and, you know. I, le- I left this part of my life behind, but I guess in the interest of making the world a better place, I'll go there. And I wanted to make a, uh, at that time, the Kardashians had just come come on the scene and Survivor had just come on the scene. Remember the show Survivor? Of course. Yeah. And who wants to be a millionaire and, and all these reality shows are coming out. So I said, you know, let's make ourselves, let's, let's, let's become real. To the people in my company, I was like 19 or 20 years old at that point. So let's make ourselves celebrities. And then people are going to start paying us to come to nightclubs. So I started hiring celebrities to come to nightclubs. And um, one of the biggest celebrities that I ever brought was Drake. I paid $4,000 for his Greyhound bus from Toronto. I organized it myself. And, and, uh, and I started filming all of these events that we were doing to put together a reality show. And I go to make a Hollywood premiere of a rea- of this reality show in Montreal. I invited thousands of people that came to this nightclub. It was supposed to be my crowning moment, my achievement, my, if you saw the movie, my crescendo. And um, I, I saw myself on screen and I stood for drug, sex, and rock and roll. And I was promoting that to tens of thousands of young, impressionable people. And I said to myself, I have to live. I have to find out another way to live because I can't live like this. I can't. I, I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed at who I was, and I remember very quietly s- slinking out of my own my own event. I found an exit. I quietly hailed the cab. I put my head in my knees, and I told the taxi driver take me home. And I didn't answer my phone for weeks, and I was doing a lot of introspection, and you know, one thing led to another, I, you know, I started to try to look into, you know, different religions and different ways to live and ideologies and all these things. And ultimately I came back to God and, um, and he was really there the whole time. It's he, he had never left. He, you know, he was there the whole time. And fast forward, I now, 
I go to I go to high school uh, high high schools every single morning, including this morning, by the way, where I work with teenagers to help them along their journey and to make sure that they don't end up in the same way as I did. And I have, um, you know, five beautiful children. I have a beautiful wife, uh, work in the community and I really try to live a straight and moral life because I experienced the other side. Um, I experienced the other side. So, that's how I got here. Beryl, I appreciate your candor. I appreciate the clarity. And I appreciate you allowing us a little bit of visibility into your background. I didn't do that to relve up any bad men. No, for sure. For sure. 100%. And I'll tell you what this does. In 2022, I'm not sure if you knew this. Actually, in 2020, 2021, 2022, people over the age of 17 to 29 okay. had some of the most massive mental health challenges. I, a lot I, of people I, I believe it. I believe it. Challenges. 75%. I'm the father to a teenager, a son of you know 17 years old. So it's something I think about a, a ton. And I think we need to hear one of the, your, your most powerful influencing aspects about who you are is the fact that you came out of resilience as you were dealing drugs. You were actually not dealing drugs. You were dealing with your life, right? So you you're bartering your life. And that's what yeah. I, I think oh, wow. people don't understand. Yeah. And in that day, you know, in that as you laid in despair and blood and you thought you lost everything. Actually, that day you gained everything. Yeah. That day wow. your life was defined. And, and like people say, you know, you, the, the two most important days of your life are when you're born and when you figure out why you were born. <laughs> I like it. And that's oh, when you were born, bud. That's when you actually came to be who you are uh, today. Wow. And one of the things, again, I mentioned earlier, integrity, ethics, faith, morals. So let's go back to what you're doing right now professionally, right? So you do sales. Yes. And you do recruitment. And yes. I've always said a couple of things. A salesperson never sees a sale they don't like. And a recruiter never sees a candidate they don't sure. like. Right? Sure. So because they get incentivized with sure. that. So to sure. me, there has to be a tremendous amount of ethics that needs to be injected yes. into these two. Yes. Uh, because again, then you're just watering down a product. Yes. But I want to throw you a curveball. Sure. Um, a few weeks ago, you turned down a business venture that you had contracted to do as a social media influencer. Yes. So that means that you use your ethics because, again, I'm sure it was a very lucrative opportunity. Yes. And it gave you, again, the leverage to promote and align yourself, but you decided not to. I don't need to know your business, but that was very interesting to me that Thank you. Burl decided to say no to an opportunity. And you said it. What makes me happy is money. And I'm sure you said no to money. Yes. Right? You said A no lot to of money by turning down an opportunity. So tell yes. me, why did you turn that opportunity down? You know, there's, uh, there's a few things money can't buy. And we all know the colloquialisms, happiness, health, but money cannot buy a good name and a good reputation. And that is extremely important. And a person could, a person could spend an entire life building reputation and in one second it's destroyed. And to me, my name is more important than money. 
And there's a lot of responsibility that comes with being a social media influencer. With the trust of people comes, you know, I, I never really thought of it before until this conversation, but it's becoming clear. Trust is really a, everybody has their guard up, but trust softens the guard or takes the guard down. Sure. Right? So if somebody trusts you, then you have more of a responsibility to guard the person that is in front of you because they themselves are um, because they themselves have let their guard down. And just to bring it to sales, a great salesman at the end of the day is an influencer. He's influencing that person's decision-making process, which means that that person, whatever he or she is selling has to be fully sold on whatever it is that they're selling. Because if they're not, then they're selling something that they don't believe in, that that's not ethical. If you don't believe in something, why should your buyer believe in it? Yeah, correct. And, you know, I've had companies in the past couple of weeks that have approached us and they have terrible businesses that I really don't believe in from the core. And I could have so easily had just pushed a salesperson down their throat and collected my commission check. But I would have been... I would have had two problems. Number one is I would have had a problem sleeping at night. And number two is they're going to knock on my door in 90 days and say that I screwed them anyways. So, you know, I'm 34 years old at this point and I've seen, I, I think that business has to be played, has to be played the long, the long game. I think it's better. You know, I once had a, I once had a guy I did business with. We, I used to do millions of dollars of business with him in the metal recycling business. That's my family's business. And I used to do really well with him. And one day he asked me to do a transaction where I wasn't making any money, literally breaking even. And I told him I don't want to do the deal. And he said to me something that stuck with me forever. He says, Beryl, you don't have to hit a grand slam on every deal. You just don't. It's okay to hit a single. It's okay to, it's okay to bunt. It's okay to bunt because it's a long game. We have 11 innings and you're at the bottom of the third. So it's a long, it's a long game. I'm going to tell you something that I always found interesting, okay? Um, for a Jewish guy to get to the point that I got to, it's not, it's not, it's, it's very plausible. And to be honest with you, it's highly likely. And I've always said that if I don't succeed, it's because I screwed up. You know, there's an expression that it takes a, it takes a town to raise a child, yeah? And I, I think really the Jews... It takes a village to exactly. I think the Jews do this really well. They help each other out. They buy from each other. They sell to each other. They advise each other. They they want to see each other grow. For the most part, again, not everybody's perfect. Okay, you, you, every community has their, you know, has their uh, has their gremlins. Okay, <laughs> um, but I would imagine. Okay, correct me if I'm wrong. Is that it w it's hard. I think the average person that doesn't have a community around them, it must be damn hard to come up and make it in this world based on your own merits. Meaning, I have my father's merit, right? He was friends with successful businessmen that 
I was able to rub shoulders with. I was able to walk into his office and his, he wasn't driving the forklift. He was the boss. I never knew any other way. Okay. And all of my other friends, usually they saw that their fathers were the boss and they never knew any other way. I don't know exactly your personal situation. Okay. But for you to become, you know, the top, you know, one of the top dogs in command in a multi, 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 multi million dollar corporation, that's impressive in my books. And I'm just curious, like, how does that happen? I always had a belief that I was going to be great. And you I always, always had a belief. believed you were going to be great. Absolutely. There was no doubt. No, and believe me, I had some obstacles. I had some challenges. But I always had a stubborn belief that I was going to be great. Wow. And, okay, so that's what I was looking for, by the way. And nothing that's was, was going to stop me to do that. And that really was – I was competitive in sports. I was competitive in the classroom. I'm competitive playing Uno with my kids right now. You know, because, again, <laughs> for me, losing is not an option. I learn, and I've learned a ton. But one thing that I've always done – and this is the difference. And, and you ask a question, I'm going to give you the long-winded answer. Yeah. I think we live in a society where a lot of people are envious of successful people. Yeah. I, I do the other E word. I emulate. So I see people who have things that I admire and I, I adopt those things. I'll, I'm going to get a, a little deeper with you. There are two things that people do when they want to be successful. They either aspire to be successful, mm -hmm. which is based on selfish ambition, or they are inspired to do something, which is actually predicated on spiritual compulsion. I am led to be a leader. And when I'm well, led to be a leader, I become well, a servant. And one thing that I never say the following words, people say, I do this for a living. I never say that, Burrow. I say, I live to do this. I was born to do this. And because entering leadership for me is meaningless if leadership doesn't enter me. Well, so I enter I leadership. That. And leadership has entered me. And when we look at things like you mentioned affinity, you mentioned trust. I'll give you a couple of others that I knew I had to do to be where I am right now. I knew I had to operate with a tremendous amount of respect. I knew I had to operate with a tremendous amount of self-awareness. I knew that I had to operate with a tremendous amount of critical thinking. Mm. I knew that I needed to make sure that I effectively communicated, that I wasn't listening to respond, but listening to understand. And most importantly, I learned to be self-accountable. Mm. And that self-accountability allowed me to be transformational in the fact that every day for me, I was going to be better. And I'll tell you another one. I never walked into a room barrel and said, I'm the only Spanish guy here. I'm the shortest. I'm this. I'm that. For me, everyone was an even playing field. Mm. And I always knew that I was going to be better than everybody else. Because wow. you know what? It's okay. We live in a society where people are not supposed to say they're better than everybody else. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Survival yeah. of the fittest. Natural and by selection. the way, it comes, it, comes, it comes out in bedrock because you guys have that, you guys have that air. Absolutely. And because, because if you don't strive for it, then you're, you're never going to get it. Yeah. Tell me in your, in your perspective, what are the things in life that money cannot buy? Yeah. I mean, all the silly ones, of course, you know, that we all know, happiness, although I don't know about you, but when my bank account is full, I feel much happier than when it's empty. Okay. So I'm not a hundred percent sure on that one. Uh, <laughs> health, I think is number one. I think that money cannot buy love. 
it could it, it could temporarily buy it but true love it cannot buy um you know it's funny because i one of the reasons why i always wanted to be rich was i wanted people to um like and respect me and when i'm finding out and by the way it's also one of my motivations for being famous i want people to like and respect me what i'm finding out is they'll like and respect you but it's so cheap um i don't think that anybody ever at any funeral ever said this guy mr solomon had eight million five hundred thousand dollars in his bank account you know like it just like it just never happened okay um, or you know how many followers he had? Five hundred thousand followers. It just never, it just never happened. So I think that it's a very cheap, it's a very cheap love. Um, so I, I think that money cannot buy love. And uh, and ultimately, it really it 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 can't buy you a connection with with God unless you're giving it to charity. Then it can buy a connection to God. Um, but you still got to be a good guy. You can't, you can't give charity and be a murderer. You still have to be a good guy. But yeah, I'd say that love, I'd say love is, love is, uh, and love and self and self, self-respect. Unbelievable. You and I think the same. So there are six, the experts, they asked 50,000 experts, what money cannot buy. You want to hear the yeah. first six? Sure. You're going to love this. Number one, love. Right? Oh, yeah? Love it that was relation. it? That was oh, wow, that's one. so interesting. Two, happiness. Right? Money, money can provide comfort and security, but it cannot buy happiness. Okay. Number three, health. Money can't, you, you can afford medical treatments, but it cannot guarantee good health. Number four, time. No amount of money oh. Oh, can I buy didn't think about that. back time or extend one's lifespan. Could you send this Number to me, by the way? Absolutely. You just gave me my next Instagram video. Absolutely. Number five, trust and respect must be earned through someone's actions. You can buy it. Character, integrity, they cannot be bought with wealth. And I'll give you the sixth one and my favorite one. And th- you said this a-, a couple of times. We tend to think it's happiness. It's not. Inner peace. While financial stability can contribute to a sense of security, inner peace is often cultivated through self-awareness, mindfulness, and personal growth. And Beryl, that's what we look at in life, inner yeah. peace. Yeah. And to me, that should be where we strive to be, not to be financially wealthy and, and be venomous sometimes and get there at no cost. Our Really, our goal should be as business entrepreneurs to find an environment of inner peace. I love it. I think that's a great mic drop for this episode. Thank you so much for having me on your show. This was really great. You're good at what you do, and I appreciate it. Hopefully, we'll do it again. And remember, we are changing the habits of yesterday by creating the new healthcare reality of tomorrow. Thanks, Burl.